You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Rebecca, cue the bad 80s music. Oh, no. (laughs) That's right, you nose-ringed, bearded, yoga babble bitch, Jack Dorsey. You take my breath away. I hate Twitter, but I hate it less today. Oh, my God. OMG. Did you see last night? Talk about like the I massive oh bitch move. He announces they're oh not, God. they're Can no longer taking political advertising. All right, okay. Can they're we no, find another word? When I say bitch, I say it in sort of like I a know Jack that, Dorsey kind of way. I know that, but the ladies don't like it. Let's try anyways, to find it. Anyways, say gangster. So, Just call him a gangster. No, 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 no. Anyways, right. so he announces this. All right. Literally five minutes into the Facebook earnings call. I know. It was before. That it was, was just literally before. Like, talk, about, talk about waving your little bird finger in um, uh, the face of Facebook. He announced it five minutes into their earnings no, call. I think it was right before. It was, right it before. was enough that they had a chance. So they had a chance they're going to ask about oh, it, Oh, right? yeah. Oh, it was perfect. This it was like, I said, coincidence? Deal. I hope not. Of course it wasn't a coincidence. Have you, so has anyone called you or have you heard anything? And yes. Like, what's I've going on there? What? So say more. Say more. All Say right. More. So first of all, for ha- happy Halloween. Where this will. It's I Halloween. love Halloween. Do you love Halloween? I do not. I hate it. You hate Halloween. I hate okay, dressing okay. up. I hate costumes. I hate the oh, whole. Really? I hate the whole nine friggin' yards of it. I hate the whole thing. Wow. I don't get it. I just find it fascinating what people pick to wear. I always found it interesting. Um, uh, one. I only wear one thing: hair. Hair. Okay. Yeah. Well, you really do. You put on a wig. Oh God! Any chance to put on hair? You put on a wig. It's what awesome. are you going as? I what should we go as I if we were the king? Going? What would be our couple's costume? That's an interesting one. I think we're Cagney and Lacey. Cagney and Lacey, really? Yeah, it's Cagney, interesting. I think, I think we should go as Jerry and Ronan on yeah. Succession. Anyways, yes. where are we? Okay, <laughs> okay Twitter. Twitter. What happened? Twitter. Okay, all right. So here's the deal. So the people know what exactly happened. Yesterday in the afternoon, in the late yeah. afternoon, yeah. Jack Dorsey suddenly started tweeting uh, that he was going to stop all political advertising on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Um, obviously, Facebook has been dealing in not so graciously with the same issues around false political advertising and, in fact, encouraging false political advertising. And last week, in the last two weeks, Mark has been making a pretty much a fool of himself in Washington discussing this issue. Uh, earlier this month, Joe Biden's 2020 presidential campaign wrote letters to Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube asking that they don't run false or misleading political ads. 
And among other things, Jack pointed out that, quote, some might argue our actions today could favor incumbents, but we have witnessed many social movements reach massive scale without any political advertising. They're putting more details out on uh, November 15th, although Vijigade, their chief counsel, I yeah. suspect is quite behind this in a big way. Um, it'll start on November 22nd. So here we are. They're just not going to take political advertising. Now, they don't have a lot. Yeah. They're not the big player in this. Facebook yeah. is. Right. Um, but it's a big uh, stake in the sand. And so he did it right then. And I think uh, it came as a shock, I think, to Facebook people. Well, it's interesting because first you had one of a, a key component of Facebook and the Zucks Kevlar is they were like, okay, we can't all be evil. It, it was sort of big tech is evil. Mm-hmm. And then and then Tim Cook said, I want off this evil train and purposely said, actually, on a, in an interview with you, mm-hmm. that I wouldn't put myself in this position and began to disarticulate himself, remove himself, extricate Removing himself. Removing Alex Jones. They were, Apple was the first mover on Alex Jones. And also said, we're doubling down on privacy. And be clear, there's big tech and there's Apple, and we're off. We're out. We're no longer having lunch with the mean girls here. And then and now Jack Dorsey's doing the same thing. He's like, I want out. I want off this big tech train. So it kind of isolates – uh, uniquely, Facebook and to a lesser extent, Google is the bad guy. Uh, and it's it's the argument that Facebook has, which is so indispensable, is that letting false ads run rampant creates more um, uh, discourse. That you should, we should have the opportunity opportunity to see who lies to us. R- recognizing that makes We're doing absolutely you a favor. yeah. yeah we, I mean, but at the same time, two days later, and by the way, we're a platform. And then Campbell Brown, who is kind of the kind of the less less well paid less effective beard to all this bullshit goes she's on she's the head of news head of news, news former journalist totally throwing her reputation out the window in exchange for options that are more in the money today cuz as per our prediction the stock is up on earnings but basically said you don't want a tech platform making this decisions in the midst of announcing that they're launching a new service that they will curate where they're mm-hmm. announcing what we will get to see. So when they pay for content, they get to decide what we see and edit it and show some journalistic or editorial discretion. But if you pay, there's no journalistic discretion. As long as you're paying, we'll put anything up. But when it comes to us putting news out, we're going to have that same editorial coverage. So, I mean, it just – it literally makes absolutely – their position is yeah. literally the definition of indefensible and they're now in a corner – Totally alone. What was interesting is Cheryl Sandberg put out a video. It was on Bloomberg's TikTok. She was talking about we believe in free speech, the same thing that Mark was spouting, the same yeah. the same stuff. And one of the things they were talking about is we – and Mark talked about it in the earnings call. We're going to double down on transparency, like saying what things are and where the political ads come from and everything else. But we believe more speech is better speech. That's essentially what she said. And one of the things is these very elaborate transparency uh, – I don't know what they are. They're like – desktops where you can look at things which nobody looks at like they they, they one of the things was really it just they, they, what they're doing is offering all these really complicated ways to to figure out who's doing what but it's it's completely utterly impossible to use and someone uh someone from Facebook I, I sent them this um, and what she was saying is we believe in free expression we believe in political speech and ads can be an important part of that said Cheryl Sandberg when asked why Facebook decided not to ban political ads what the person said is it's so confu- – as usual, the, the company is being astonishingly confusing about what they're doing instead of doing something um, easy to do. 
not to cut out, and this is what someone from a former Facebook person told me, they love complexity. It's amazing. Not to cut out political ads, but create all kinds of difficult-to-understand rules. It's classic. Yeah, they're just more attractive versions of Rudy Giuliani. They have a 750-person corporate communications department, which is bigger than the newsroom of Washington Post, which tries to craft this bullshit narrative and talking points, whether it's we want to give voice to the unheard. I mean, it's just all narratives, all earnest, thoughtful commentary is always about an excuse to cash anybody's check. And it's just so ridiculous that they've decided not to take this cycle off. And what's mm-hmm. what's great, the Twitter thing isn't that big a deal. They weren't getting that much money from it. What it is is it now puts Facebook in a corner right. alone, and it puts more pressure on Facebook. And I actually, I, I'd like to think, and this is uh, – uh, I don't know. I'll come up with another prediction. Mm-hmm. But by Thanksgiving, Facebook uh, All right. You said that. You said that. Tell me about that. Well, OK. So under the cover of darkness, right, in the midst of their earnings call, under the barrage of cloud cover mm-hmm. and flack from other news, Susan Desmond Hellman yeah, left the board. Mm-hmm. Now, what have we had here? We had anyone who has a conscience that isn't a venture capitalist or corrupt – has decided to get the hell out of Dodge. I'm not sure why she left, but let's, okay, all right. Well, she okay. claims, and I want to be fair, she claims that some of it was health reasons, and mm-hmm. I, obviously we hope that she's doing fine. She's a she's a terrific person, I know. My guess is she's like like Erskine Balls or Reed Hastings choking on the corruption and bullshit of Facebook. You just don't have this many people running for the hills on a board this prestigious and probably this well-paying. So essentially you have board members who are like, okay, let's be honest, I'm kind of done with this 34-year-old Jesus Christ total control fucking up the world and humanity train. I want off. And people who are worried about the reputation, people who are supposed to be curing malaria as the CEO of the Gates Foundation is supposed to be doing are just all quietly saying, I'm out, which mm-hmm. leaves us with the Zuck, Peter Thiel, and Sheryl Sandberg. What could go wrong? Mark Andreessen is there too. And Mar- yeah, okay. I feel so much safer. <laughs> so it's it's literally, okay, this is arguably – I mean, this thing is turning into the Politburo, the board of directors there. So, But any, I thought it was telling that she decided to leave under the cover of darkness. It feels like all the people he would point to and say, this is a high-integrity person. She was quite active on the board, too. Is that right? Oh, she was the lead director, right? She was one of them, yeah. yeah. So one of the things that was interesting that I liked about Jack's announcement, and I'm, I'm going to slather Jack with it because I think they still have massive problems of bullying and everything else. Yeah. Um, and this is the lowest hanging fruit. I wrote a column in the Times that appeared yeah. this morning about this. I did a quick uh, take on it. You write for the New York Times? Yes, right? I do. Thank you. Yeah, I anyway. didn't know that. Hush up. I did know anyway, that. Anyway, what do you want to say? That's where you oh, can right, find right. it. Oh, yeah, good yeah. God. You're so jealous. It's sad. You were, you, were, you were once on that board. I have a blog. <laughs> I have a blog. <laughs> you have hot takes. You have lots of fans. Scott. All right, listen. This is what Jack wrote, which I thought was the best. He wrote a very smart thread, which was very in contrast to having heard Mark's speech, which was very yeah. lightweight. It's like, yeah. It was sort of free speech, good, China, bad. That was that was essentially yeah, you said there Mark's was no speech. nuance. There was no nuance. Yeah. There was no complexity. Yeah. Complexity was what I'm looking for. I thought this was highly complex. Internet political ads present entirely new challenges to civic discourse. Machine learning-based optimization of messaging and micro-targeting, unchecked misleading information, and deep fakes, all at an increasing velocity, sophistication, and overwhelming scale. These challenges will affect all internet communication, not just political ads. Best to focus our efforts on the root problems without the additional burden and complexity that taking money brings. Trying to fix both means fixing neither well and harms our credibility. I, it was just so Word. smart. I was like, and it went on. It was Word. like one one yeah. smart c- comment after that. That also wasn't ducking yeah. the difficulty. That's yeah. what I like. It's like, look, we, we haven't tough. fixed it, and and yeah. and and you know. So he also said, 
For instance, you know, we're well aware we're a small part of a much larger political advertising ecosystem. Some might argue our actions today could favor incumbents. He, he kept talking about all these things that were like hard. And I yeah. was like, and he didn't say we haven't really fixed it. You know, we haven't really fixed it. And we know that. And it was so yeah. refreshing to like get an actual it's not letting him off the hook for the other stuff, but it, at least it addresses it in a complicated way that this is a complex issue that nobody has good answers for. I was, I give him smart move, great, great, great for shareholders, so, not a ton of but Although, let's talk very quickly. Yeah. They had a terrible earnings. There's some issue around ads and stuff like that, but they've been doing really well. The stock had been up to 40, now it's down much yeah, lower. It's, it's come back. It's yeah. come back down. You had talked about it going up higher. Um, but Facebook, killer earnings. Killer earnings. Well, just, everything up we, and to the right. And we're, so, what was our prediction that Facebook was going to blow away earnings, earnings and go yep. over two hundred bucks a share? It touched one ninety eight this morning. I think it's going over two hundred the next few days. But here's the thing: just as Trump has his base of loyalists, regardless of how corrupt or how much he lies, Facebook has their base of people who are totally loyal to them, regardless of how corrupt or how much they lie. And it's called the global advertising market. Yeah, and I think they at own some everything. Point, you I have started, no option. They, that's a, someone that's asked me if I had monopoly. a small business. How do you say monopoly? Yeah. Someone asked me about a small business. Would I advertise on Facebook? And I said I'd have to on yeah. Google. There's well, no choice. You but, have no choice. No that's options. That's exactly right, Kara. And here it is. When you have no choice, it's not a tool. It's a tax. Mm -hmm. Facebook and Google have become taxes. The, greatest, the biggest tax cut to small business in America would be if you banned Facebook and Google. Because what they are now is they're not means of differentiation. They're something everyone has to do. You have to own the right rail. You have to own those first two spots up top, two-thirds of all social media. So everybody doesn't use it as a point of differentiation. I, I'm, I'm one of my colleagues at L2, who quite frankly is responsible for the, the success there, a woman named Maureen Mullen, who's like this incredible blue flame thinker, highlighted to me, she said, name a single company that has established competitive advantage over the long term using Google or Facebook. And that just blew me away. Because mm -hmm. if you said TV, you'd go, oh, well, Nike. If you mm -hmm. said catalog, you'd go, oh, William Sonoma. Mm -hmm. No one has been able to establish long-term competitive advantage. No, they can't. And their genius is they've made the tools so egalitarian and the best practices so porous, everybody figures out how to buy more words and how to catch up. So it's really – it's um, anyways, I, I hope at some point – the CMOs do it. You're, you're probably right. They can't do it because everyone would they laud can't. them for their efforts, and then their stock would go down the next right, day. They can't. Yeah. It's the only so do game you think in my, town. my prediction it's is the Facebook? Only, it's the company. It's the company store. A hundred percent. It's a tax. It's, it's everyone the has store. to. Run. You cannot buy. That's how much potatoes are going to cost. Right. It's the one. The one railway. Right? I called it Mother Russia the other day. Mother Russia. Nice. Speaking of Mother Russia. Yeah. Ah, let's, let's talk get about to our your next interview. Topic. Yes, yeah. I interviewed Edward Snowden. Uh, it was fascinating. He was in Moscow. Um, so we, we were talking about the idea of whether he's a whistleblower, a traitor, a leaker, an activist. Um, yeah. You know, and he's written Broadway this book. Broadway dancer. Broadway dancer. <laughs> he's a cat. He says he's an indoor cat. That's what he told he's me. He's an indoor cat. He's, I said, how yeah. is it in Moscow? He's like, well, it doesn't really matter where I am. I'm an indoor cat. And I like to look at the screen. Miles so cat. it doesn't matter where I am. And what, <laughs> like, what okay. came out? What was the most surprising thing about um, uh, That he was so thoughtful. I think one of the things, look, there's all these, whether he's a Russian asset or not. I, I don't believe he is. I think a lot of the intelligence points that way. I yeah. think the question is what he will become someday. Yeah. It, if as long as it continues to be established that he acted on his own, yeah. what is he? What did he do? Because he did reveal the U.S. government doing unconstitutional sure. illegal actions. Sure. That said, the way he did it was illegal, and yeah. and they later passed laws 
to stop the government from doing what he pointed out was sure. illegal. Sure. But him pointing it out was illegal. So it's really complicated. And I think the only issue is proving whether or not he's a Russian asset or a Chinese asset or a spy yeah. of some sort. But again, if he is not, then he's a whistleblower. He's he's a whistleblower who who whistleblowed classified information, which you're not allowed to do. Yeah. Although that's sort of what the whistleblower did, went through the right chain of command in this recent Ukraine thing. Although yeah. it wouldn't have come out had not some someone leaked to the press that there was a whistleblower. So, yeah. it, you know, it was a great conversation about what he is and where he's going. And then we talked a lot about uh, Facebook and, and and the big tech companies and how he feels, you know, whether government is more dangerous to people and stuff. So let's, uh, let's listen to him talking uh, about that, Facebook and data collection, internet privacy. Facebook's internal purpose, whether they state it publicly or not, is to compile uh, perfect records of private lives to the maximum extent of their capability, and then exploit that uh, for their own corporate enrichment um, and, and damn the consequences. Uh, this is actually precisely the same uh, as what the NSA does. Um, Google does uh, has a very similar model, uh, and they go, oh, we're connecting people. They go, oh, we're organizing data. But uh, we can see privately what they're doing, right? You open your weather app, and it's communicating with Facebook because someone baked the Facebook SDK into it. Um, and you didn't even realize that. You don't see it. It's intentionally kept invisible to you, uh, and yet it's collecting material on you. There you go. Sounds yeah. like Scott Galloway in Moscow. <laughs> yeah, me and Edward Snowden. Like, I think you're right. I actually think he will probably go down in history as someone who served a certain utility, but, and this is going to sound very um, hawkish and Republican. I agree with Hillary Clinton. I would have liked to see us drone his ass. I mm -hmm. think when you, you, um, I don't know, subject this many people in our um, national security apparatus to this kind of danger, which I think he subjected them to. There's no doubt about well, it. Well, now he makes the case that there hasn't been, and they have not revealed any instance where he did. So that they're just saying that, but then don't provide any proof to it. And he, he, his contention is that if he had actually damaged people's lives, they would have said, look what he did. And they haven't once. So he's he's contending one that he leaked it. I'll just give you his argument. Sure. He he says he he gave it only to journalists. Yeah. He made sure they didn't the stuff that they that he gave them yeah. that they didn't write stories that would put and and contact the government about if there were people in um, in danger's way. Revealing that we spied on Angela Merkel doesn't put yeah. anyone in danger. It just doesn't. It just and he's correct about that. It makes it it embarrasses us for sure yeah. that we did that and not probably not a surprise that we did that. Yeah. Um, but he, his contention was that he made sure the journalists agreed that there was nothing and they would check with the government on anything yeah. that was even slightly that he never released anything publicly himself. So he didn't do a data dump. He's, you know, differentiating himself from WikiLeaks yeah. um, and Julian Assange. And he said that none of this stuff has been proven to hurt anybody. So it's real. it's interesting. Like, so how do you, I, I'm not a, a fan of but like, how do you show that the government is cheating and doing illegal things that they were never supposed to do, which is this yeah. mass surveillance, without breaking the law. Well, look. It, it, so I don't know. I don't, if he, I if he like, wants to be a martyr and a whistleblower, then come back and face the consequences. Well, he, and maybe he's right. Well, actually, the you espionage don't take act, off for China he and can't Russia have with a, a thumb cannot, drive up your ass. Well, he didn't. He says he doesn't. He says oh, he didn't. come on. Well, I don't know. And, and Russia's looking after him. Well, no, they're and not. They he doesn't work for it. He doesn't work. He lives in a small apartment in Russia. In Russia. Yes, but he yeah. got stuck there because we pulled his passport. He wasn't traveling there. He was traveling to Ecuador. He wants to live in Europe. He wants well, to live I here. I want to live in Europe. That doesn't give me permission to like No, I get it. But I'm just saying a it's spot. a lot – I think it's a lot more – it's a very interesting complex issue of what you do 
let's put aside, say he yeah. isn't a Russian asset okay. or a Chinese asset because he okay. went through Hong Kong. He also was, and he picked Hong Kong because it was an area that was yeah. at the time not, yeah. not Chinese territory or it was, but it wasn't, it was a, a free area. Um, what would you do if you were sitting there? I What I found most intriguing about this interview was that he he had a vision of the internet as a young man, and he's very yeah. typical of a lot of people I cover, where the internet was a safe place. It was a great place. It's where yeah. he lived, where it was his world. And then it it, it perverted into not just – it perverted, perverted by the government and mass right. surveillance, and it was right. perverted by big com- big tech by mass surveillance. And I think he was – he was in love with the internet as he conceived it, and he and he had the arrogance to think I can stop them, and it's that's the best case scenario for him. And he still broke thought. And under the Espionage Act, he can't have an actual trial where he can give a reason for doing it. Yeah, which is they were doing something illegal, and I was pointing it out. That's not a defense, actually. He no, just goes not. to jail. He just goes to jail. Yeah. That's it. There's no other thing but go to jail. I, I think your voiceover anyway, is, is a romantic script on some a young man who's, <laughs> who is probably very thoughtful, it was very intelligent. Great interview. Yeah, um, I, I get it. I get it. I'll, history will judge this man, and if things yeah. come out in Russia that he was indeed a Russian asset. Uh, that could happen, like it's happened before. But you don't think he negotiated safe haven in Russia in exchange for something? No, I th- why I th- would they want? They him? tried to. They tried to um, try to go everywhere else, and he's still yeah. trying to get out of Russia. He's trying to. He he's trying to get. Yeah, he's but why did why does why did Russia agree to host him other than to make us look stupid? Make us look or stupid. They, or they got something in exchange. Or make us look stupid. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't have a visa there right now. He Is that right? It gets extended year after year, I think, or something like that. So he's trying to get somewhere else right now. Yeah. But he yeah. doesn't have a passport. He can't go anywhere. He's a man with you know, a And by the way, the U.S. clamps down anybody that offers him anything. Oh, as so. they should. If you want to listen to the full interview, it's out now on my other podcast, Rico Deco. All right. All right. Last quick story. Very yeah. quick story. Uh, HBO Max makes its debut. Oh, the streaming wars, Kara. Yeah, streaming wars. They're now white hot. They've been heating white up. Hot. They're literally. It's coming in May, fourteen ninety nine per month. That's what we need, another streaming service. It's more expensive. You I'm know, if you like HBO but Peacock. don't want to buy HBO. But that's what HBO costs, I think, monthly. So Yeah, what is it? It's right? 14, it costs that much if you have cable. But anyway, yeah. you can get it by yourself. Kara, last week you said that the streaming wars are going to be won by whoever has the best content. Yes. And, you know, HBO Max is trying to get in there. It's the only place you can stream Friends. They also bought the entire run of South Park for over $500 million out from under Disney Hulu. Um, so they're trying to get in there. Who has yeah. the very, and that will matter. Most interesting thing here, and I'm parroting a Vox article, which uh, by all measures is probably going to launch their own streaming network. Um, we are not. Is, uh, is this will test net neutrality because the only thing, so, so Netflix and Disney Plus, what they don't have relative to HBO Max, relative to um, – um, the Peacock network from Comcast is they don't have vertical distribution. Mm-hmm. And that is basically what, what HBO Max has with AT&T as a parent is you could flip on your TV or your direct TV channel and they could start promoting it or they could make it more expensive to stream Netflix. And right. that will be a real test yeah. of the, the, sure. the banishment or the, the banning of these net neutrality laws. So I've always contended that if you look at companies that have been able to get over $100 billion in market capitalization, they all have one thing in common and that is they're vertically uh, distributed. They go from creation to they control the end universe. So Apple TV Plus mm-hmm. is pre-installed on a could be pre-installed on a billion devices. Uh, when they sell their 110 million phones a year, and I don't know if that's the right number, they can pre-install it with Apple TV Plus and give you a free year. So vertical distribution is an unbelievable 
competitive advantage, and the biggest player doesn't have it, and that's Netflix. That's why I've always thought that Netflix should probably at this point Sell merge with, with uh, uh, someone who's vertical and can control the distribution. Apple. Apple. That would be an interesting one. But Amazon. Or Google, uh, you know, pre-installed on more. It's actually more kind of from a brand positioning standpoint, I think, congruent with Android, pre-installed on two and a half billion devices. But when you don't control the distribution, you are subject to someone else's decision to say, you know what, we're going to make it almost impossible for for distribution. That's what's happened to Spotify. They don't control their distribution, so they're at the wings. So interesting. They're both still the best products, too. 100%. Yeah, Netflix we'll see how is the good best these product. products are. I yeah. think it does depend on the content. It's a lot of them, though. I mean, every yeah. one of them are coming out. And and people say it's going to be bad for Netflix. Netflix needs distribution. No bad. I, I, you know, my prediction or my thought was they should buy Sony because they would get some distribution on handsets or on mm. PlayStation and also great content. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and Sony's kind of cheap. It's, it's a, kind of a shadow of its former self. That was considered the most innovative company in the world. Remember yes, that? It that was, was the Apple of the walk, 80s. Man, it was. Uh, but without without vertical distribution, I don't know if they can bust through okay, from wherever they are, 100-plus billion to Sony. 2 or 3 like billion. I like it, Scott. That's an excellent prediction. We'll see. But we're going to get more when we get back. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Pivot. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Welcome back to Pivot. Uh, we're going to dig into some listener mail before we get to wins and fails. But you went to the Apple premiere. You went to a premiere I didn't yeah, go to. Morning no. news. Stephen okay. Carell, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Weatherspoon, a story. It's basically what I'd call the Diet Coke version of the Matt Lauer story. Yeah. And uh, it was actually, I thought what's interesting, I think it'll be quite controversial because at least in the first episode, it's it treats – you know the 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 serial or the harasser, the you know the guy with very much kid gloves. It portrays mm-hmm. him as a bit of a victim. So I don't know if there's a twist coming, but it felt very aptly in the sense that they spent. They must have spent. Literally Everyone said the money. I have a friend. Game who's of a, Thrones who like went. money on this thing. For yeah, what, I have what a friend is, who's a docu who has a show with oh Netflix actually, and was like the money was insane, incredible. And that's what's and that was just that's you what's know, become so interesting about content is it no party. longer needs to be self sustaining. It becomes. 
it becomes something, to, as you said it aptly once you said, well, we can sell more paper towels if we have the marvelous Mrs. Mizell. And what it all it all leads to one one point, and that is, it's a great time to be in the business of creating content. You know, young kids or a lot of kids meet with me, and I'm like, you want to get close to processing power, you want to get to a city. You also, if you have the ability to be in the business of creating um, mass consumable differentiated content, it is a great time to be you. I don't know if you're a gaffer. I don't know if you cater movie sets. But, you know, when you and I have been approached about doing uh, TV shows, and when they're coming after Kara and the dog, it means there's too much capital <laughs> swashing around original scripted television. Did you get to meet Jennifer Aniston? Was she there? I didn't. I saw her, and I saw Reese Witherspoon. I was yeah. too intimidated. Tim Cook was there. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, Tim and they, Cook they screamed in an envi- environment like that is weird. You could just tell he's uncomfortable. He's, he's way so too. Unco- he likes to talk about football. Well, and he's not having a midlife crisis. A- Bezos R- wanted to be there smiling he and really laughing. He really just wants to talk about football, really. Yeah. Whenever I meet yeah. him. Yeah. He's so damn likable. He's yeah. got good hair and he seems nice. And yeah. anyways, but um, I saw him. That was my celebrity sighting. So you were at a premiere. I was at a premiere. Yeah. I put on a tie. Did the you? dog was looking good. Were you? I was looking good. Were yeah. You? I showered. I'd love it was to see nice. you at these premieres. You're very shy. People don't realize you're quite shy. Well, I'm. I'm paid to be an extrovert, but the reality is when I'm off mic, I don't want to talk to fucking anybody. Yeah, that's true. You are. It's interesting. I will talk to anybody. Uh, I'm complex. I'm I'm quite an extrovert. I'm a very So many layers to the dog (laughs) cake. All right. In any case, let's listener mail. So we got an email question from the listener Michael Swain about an article that was written on our sister site, The Verge. The article looked at a new bill introduced by some big Silicon Valley critics this month that's meant to undercut social media monopolies. The Augmenting Compatibility and Competition by Enabling Service Switching Act access is designed to make large communications platforms loosen their hold on user data. Senator Mark Warner introduced the bill last week as part of an effort to rein in big platform monopolies. We reached out to the writer of this article, Addie Robertson, to sum up the bill and how it might play out. Access is a bill that's supposed to promote interoperability between big platforms and their competitors. Interoperability is the idea that if you're a giant platform like Facebook, you should create tools so that competitors can interface with your service. But it's supposed to make sure that competitors can access the giant user bases and backlogs of data that giant platforms have already amassed. The Access Act tries to make clear that companies are supposed to preserve privacy, they're supposed to not use data in any untoward ways, but if this does pass, then it's going to raise really big questions about how you would preserve security when you are swapping data across services and how you make sure that bad actors don't get access to these systems. That's interesting. So data that portability— That was interesting. That was boring. No, it was Who not. came You're up wrong. with that no, clip? No, listen to me. Listen to me. It is interesting. No, data portability is really important, <sighs> the ability to move from services. But these big companies have already amassed so much data, there's no way rivals can compete. It's actually yeah. critically important. It's a well very done. fascinating, Bill. You're absolutely wrong. So can people tap into what Facebook or Google has already yeah. compiled and yeah. create new businesses? So it yeah. could potentially be a font of innovation so that you don't—there's you, no way these companies can compete or create what you were saying, different choices in average online advertising without access to this data. And so how do you do it right is a really important thing. And secondly, the ability to do it is a big deal. Thank you. And not only that, it's it's legislation that's difficult and hard, and you can imagine writing this thing took a ton. I'm a big fan of Senator Warren. Depending on how you categorize or or qualify this statement, somewhere between 4 and 9% of our elected officials have a background in engineering or technology, and Senator Warner is one of them. And he's very thoughtful 
Uh, I got the opportunity to spend some time with him. His questions are right on. He seems very interested, really wants to understand the stuff. And I think a lot of our elected officials who are clearly very smart, clearly have good instincts, clearly have resources, quite frankly, they don't want to take the time to write this kind of legislation because it's hard. Right. I mean, it's really difficult. Look, you're and he already took saying the time this, but it. it's actually really important. This, it is a important. bill like this is critically important to allowing competitors. And we do have to safeguard against privacy issues of moving this data around. But it's not. Mark Zuckerberg talks only about data portability, not that he has to turn over the data he collects to competitors to let them build businesses. I, I get it. This is, this is important. Kudos to you. At the end of the day, though, it, it solves a fraction of the problem. We need to break these companies up because right now it's, I'm pissed off at Facebook. I'm taking my data to Instagram. I mean, it's just. Yes, but it's not taking your data. It's actually getting letting rivals build businesses off this data right. that never will be compiled again. Such that you own your data and you can begin, when you when you fire up another service, you would have your friends fire up. In no, your that's data portability. Data, this is talking about the ability of some, com right. some company X decides yeah. to make an actual competitive search service. They can use data from Google. They can use Google's data in a way th that they can create a new business. I think it's a yeah. great idea. I think yeah. it's a great bill. I think theoretically it is. Do you, th I think some, do you think all of a sudden across America, venture capitalists are going to start funding Well, at least it gives them, like, literally, I've interviewed uh, just today chance. Alexis Ohanian, Ben Horowitz, never going to invest in a social media company mm -hmm. again. Because well, and Facebook. do you think that changes as yes, well? Yes, it yeah. does. If okay. people have chance, if people have more stuff, and they, 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 right now these big companies are hoarding all the data, let's use their data yeah. to create competitors, and maybe we don't have to break them up. I, yeah. I, I you know, I don't know. It's, I, I think it's a great bill. You're, it's complicated, which is why it's difficult. But yep. I think it's great. Agreed. Um, all right. So wins and fails. Wins and fails. What's your win, Kara? What's my win? Oh God, there's I, Jack Dorsey. Just Jack Dorsey. Jack. Jack. Yeah, well Dorsey. done. That was a good one. My win. Jack Dorsey is it this is week. Is Claudia Lopez. Okay. Who this week, do you know who Claudia is? No, please explain. She was elected as the first female mayor of Bogota, Colombia. Mm -hmm. And she's also a member of the LGBTQ community. Okay. And after decades of abuse, it was especially especially difficult as most civil wars are on women. Uh, the, uh, the, this, is, this is a wonderful story. Women have decided, have turned to political activism, and the second most important office in Colombia, the mayor of their largest city, is now uh, a 49-year-old uh, gay woman. And it's a huge, I think it's a really nice victory, and her speech was wonderful. It says a lot about the progress of a mm -hmm. country that's been war-torn, and she's now... Uh, one of the two most um, powerful lesbians in the Americas, the first, of course, being the senior senator from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham. Uh, <laughs> anyways, my win is Claudia Lopez. I think All that right. I think that uh, this is a, a victory for Colombia, a victory her, for her, and a victory for women. And by the way, what is the number one source of news on lesbian leadership? The dog. <laughs> the dog. Uh, don't call. Don't impugn lesbians by calling Lindsey Graham one. Don't do that. No, we no don't that's, want that's okay. We are not going to take him. He's not tough enough anyway. Anyway, actually, I do have another win. Casey Newton for taking down horrific contract uh, Facebook content moderators. Cognizant is shutting down its moderation business. A few months ago, Casey published a couple blockbuster stories about con uh, contract workers moderating the grimmest Facebook content. This week, two of the companies doing that work said they'd stop working with Facebook. Yeah. Facebook's got to do this bizwax themselves. If they make a mess, they have to clean it up. I get it. I, I get like it. it. So, get all right. It. What is your uh, fail? So it's not so much as a fail. I just wanted to recognize a guy I went to college with and was actually my sure. attorney at UCLA. I got him. Keith Boski passed away at the age oh, of 53. Wow. That's very sad. I know Keith. Uh, wow. Yo, you know, you know yeah, Keith? Yeah, um, not well, but. And uh, 
We had lost touch and uh, reconnected. Uh, he was the president at DLD in Germany. He was he the president was. of a video game company and a thought leader on robotics and drones. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing that struck me about him, I, I, I've never had a chance to meet his wife uh, or his son, Sarah and Kevin, but within 30 seconds, he would begin um, talking about his son. Oh, I'm a mess. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Anyways, Keith Bosky, dead at 53. Oh, so Very I'm upsetting. So oh, no. He was a lovely guy. Yeah, he was him at a DLD very a lot. lovely guy. He that's why that's why I would see him every yeah. year at DLD. Yeah, he was a fascinating guy. Always interesting, send me interesting ideas yeah, and stuff n- like that. Nice man. I'm so sorry. That is sad, right? Yes. Short sure. carrot. We got to enjoy it. You know it's all I'm very short. Death obsessed, not obsessed. I'm death focused. Yeah, so am I. You know that. It's motivating though. It's nice. It is I motivating. think it can be a I people a always think I'm crazy, power. but I'm like, no, no, no. It makes me happier when you recognize that we have very short very time on this time. planet. Very little and, time. Uh, and 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 Everywhere we go, we're going to hit this, um, whether we like it or not. And so I think it's, it's that was very touching, fast, Scott. Faster than we think, right? Scott, I f- I'm so All right, let's go to predictions. Predictions. Let's get you out of out of this. Okay, so there's this artificial uh, – the unicorn industrial complex is all about pumping and dumping mm-hmm. and trying to create um, a ridiculously artificial high stock price until um, the VCs and the institutional investors can sell and – we saw that with Beyond Meat, and that is they only had about uh, 16% of their float. So the idea is only put a small percentage of your ownership out there, and then it creates artificial demand, more demand than supply. Mm-hmm. And then the moment additional shares come out, Beyond Meat you know, goes public at 25 bucks, rockets to 250 ridiculous valuation. I mean, just an insane valuation. They do a secondary. The stock goes down. Uh, 20%. Uh, the lockup comes off last week. Stock goes down mm-hmm. again. And now the stock has lost two-thirds of its value. All right. We're about to see the same thing happen at Uber next okay. week. Uber's when, your next. It seems like Uber is your next thing to, to talk about. Well, Uber Uber doesn't go to zero. There's real value there. Right. Um, uh, but it's going to – I think my prediction is I think Uber gets cut 20 to 40% in the next 30, 60 days as the artificially – low float uh, goes away and the lockup comes off and people realize this company is not worth more than Ford. It's a nice company worth 10 to 20 billion, not 55 billion. Wow. Anyway, so the artificial the artificial demand and the artificially high um, stock prices uh, created by a minimal float that the investment bankers and the companies manage. Uh, at some point, you got to pay the piper. It's happened with Beyond Meat. And by the way, mm-hmm. what 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 Uber was to WeWork, so Uber breached the firewall and everyone said, all right, we're not going to be fooled again and killed the WeIPO. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what Beyond Meat is to Impossible. Impossible has lined up its IPO. That's not going to happen because now that now the Beyond Meat is crashing to something that reasonably reflects its value, the bankers and the folks at Impossible are like, oh, fuck, so we're not going to get out. So what happens to the businesses then? Uh, they're, they're nice businesses. They're good businesses. They're worth you know perhaps billions of dollars, but they're not worth – more than the entire agra, you know, food business. So do they um, get uh, bought? Uh, I don't know. I don't not not for a long time. They're way too expensive. I mean, I find I find a decent strategy. I only buy chicken and beef stocks because Kara, I want to be a billionaire. <laughs> get it? A billionaire. That's and good he's comedy. Recovered That's from good his comedy. moment of sweet kind That's poignancy. good comedy. No, that that was just I'm very hungover. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so my prediction is Uber gets cut 
uh, 20 to 40 percent as right. the lockup comes off and, and some sort of reasonable valuation is everyone realizes this thing is not going up. It's going way down and they head for the doors. OK. What does that mean then for IPOs going forward? I'm going to push We're just going to have a massive recalibration of value in the public markets. It's happening in the private markets. The public yes. markets have, have been the rational ones. It's yep. usually – supposedly usually the retail – Investors in the public markets are the stupid ones, and the private markets are supposed to be the smart guys, and it's actually been reversed. Mm-hmm. It'll, next year will be a very interesting year for IPOs, and we yeah. have all these companies delaying their IPOs. Like Palantir will be the most interesting because they benefit from this kind of black box. Oh, they're so mysterious. It'll be That would be just a fascinating S1. All right, let's to, enjoy to that. See. We will read that together. Yeah, together, that would be. by the fire. Yeah, you know, I like it. <laughs> Reading <laughs> S1s. Um, and just That's very briefly, uh, the rumors that Alphabet, uh, uh, Alphabet Google's parent company might be buying uh, Fitbit was interesting. We'll talk about that next week, that wearable space. That's right. I thought that was bullshit, and it ended up – I got that wrong. I thought that was a lie uh, that released by Fitbit, but it looks like, in fact, Google is, in fact, uh, in talks to acquire them. Anyway, interesting. We will talk about the yes, wearable space next week and so much more. Scott, That I was I, so sorry about your friend dying. I really am. You know, I it's know. a stretch to say we were friends. I, I know, think, but I still, think it's, it's, it's still it affects you all. It's still very sad, right? I, I, I keep – I don't know if you know this. I use the, the WeCroak app all constantly so I can hear death uh, death quotes all the time. And so yeah. I get five of them a day, which is – which I everyone makes fun of me. But there's a really good one I got yep. today, which was oddly enough. Uh, Liz, live as if you were to die tomorrow learn as if you were to live forever. Mahatma Gandhi. Go. Oh, that's that's Gandhi? That's Gandhi, With my the flowing friend. robes? Yes. Yeah. Benjamin yeah. Franklin, death takes no bribes. That's right, isn't and it? And on that note, on Halloween. That's right. Let's go out. Let's dress up our kids. Let's dress up our my kids. My new rescue, rescue dog from Puerto Rico is going as a little wiener dog. It's going to be hilarious. Oh, God. God. My 12-year-old wants to go as an archer, a, mid, a medieval archer. Mm-hmm. He's way too thoughtful last year. That he went as good. an artist. I wanted to do Star Wars as a family, and he said no. Okay. Yeah. And you're going as Scott Galloway. No, I go every year. I go as uh, Starship Commander Jean-Luc Picard. Huge crowd pleaser. <laughs> anyway, everybody, thank you so much. We will be back next week. It's time to go. But if listeners have a question or an idea of a company Pivot should mercilessly take down over the next couple months, shoot us an email at pivot at voxmedia.com. We're not limited to anything. We love new ideas and companies and, and different things. I know we talk a lot about Facebook and Uber and stuff like that, but we were definitely willing to talk about lots of different companies. Um, also, we're hiring a new producer for Pivot. Scott, give the pitch, please. Come, come, come work. Come work for the jungle cat and the big dog. <laughs> right. And uh, for the rest of your life. Oh, you're not selling it. Be Scott. angry. You're not selling it. Anyway, please apply at voxmedia.com slash careers. We if have you snacks. You're the right person. We, we do have, have snacks, snacks to join the team. <laughs> yeah. Scott, please read the credits. Oh, good. Oh, I'm my sorry. God. Find the script, Scott. Oh, do you sure. want me to start? There's Today's paper. show yeah. was produced by Rebecca Sinanes. Try to get there. Erica Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Rebecca Castro, Drew Burrows, and Nishat Kurwa. Make sure you've subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts. And if you like this week's episode, leave us a review. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Box Living Media. In? Oh, my God. I what can't did I say? Living. I, I got that wrong? Yeah, it's listening. Dude, if you were as hungover as me <laughs> okay, right now, you going. would be seriously Thanks for listening to, to Pivot. Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.